Whose fault was that? You're you know the what? one, like... Well, I'm gonna say it was Nana Rose's fault. Nana Rose is like, well, I wanted Abigail to be here, but now she put me in this barn-esque room with a bunch of hay, and now I don't want Abigail to be there. Hello, and welcome to our Riverdale podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode came to me very quickly, which was, how would you paint your very tiny house? I love this. Yes. So this is the way I would paint my very tiny house. I really, I feel like it's probably very predictable. Okay. But I will want it to look like a very, like, classic home Uh that has, like, you know, the white trim and everything. Like, I want it to look like a a tiny little Barbie house, you know? But I want it to be purple. I would like it to be Uh, a I was gonna say, it's gonna be purple, right? It wants okay. to be, like, a light purple house with, like, the white trim, and it basically looks like Barbie could live there if she was very small, that which she is. That sounds gorgeous. I know, and then it has, like, a little mailbox. Like, it's just yeah, basically, it's a house. Yeah. A classic house. But it's purple. But it's purple, and it's small. I feel like you don't see, you actually don't see a lot of purple homes. Yeah. Like, I feel like you see pink more than you see purple. Yeah. And then, and then, like, have a little, like, hanging plant, and then if, oh, the, it, I can't remember if they have a little porch space, which I I don't think they did, but then I would put, like, a little tiny chair there, too. I feel like those homes aren't even big enough for, like, a bed. I know. They're like, they have a toilet and a shower, and I'm like, wormst. I I have some thoughts on this. Yeah. But, yeah, that's exactly what I thought you would paint your house like, for the record. I know. I was like, she's gonna do it I see it in my mind, and then, like, it would have, like, a little picket fence, too, and maybe, like, part of it would have, like, sort of, like, a cross hatching with the white. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, the classic picket fence. Yeah, classic, classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're like, the the aesthetic conversation is always interesting between the two of us because we have such different ideas and uh, in, involvement thresholds yeah. of aesthetics. Because Robin is much more relaxed, but she also knows that, like, there's some colors that she gravitates to more, which mm-hmm. is purple. Yeah. Whereas um, I, uh, like, micromanage my aesthetic in terms of, like, my surroundings. Like, it's very important to me. The thing is that I also, something that me and Brittany butt heads on sometimes is that if something is the wrong color, she's like, it's okay, I'll just paint it. But if she doesn't put, like, a glaze over top of it or, like, a gloss, which she never does, no. then, like, I can't touch that. Because I don't like the um, the texture of feeling just, like, raw-ass paint. <laughs> which, like, it has never bothered me, but also because I don't like the look of high gloss. Yeah. Because it's mm. so hard to clean. Yeah. And keep clean. I think the thing is that, like, I would rather it feel okay to touch than, like, anything else. Or be hard to clean. I don't care. I Otherwise, I can't touch it. Well, like, I it's mean, too, like, rough and dry. It's gross. That's it's like, fair. That's why I hate sand. I hate sand. You, I'll say you it. are a texture girl. Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 32-year-old artist and writer. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter, at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And mine would obviously be pink. Mm-hmm. But... I love the idea of ours right beside each other. I know. They look so cute. Yeah. It would be like a really light, uh, dusty pink. Like, it would have to have a gray undertone because I think when it comes to exteriors, I don't want something that is vibrant or super saturated Mm. i want it to be close to a gray white with the pink tinge just because if it's really loud it's gonna stress me the hell out yeah you know yeah i think that like my thought is like i wouldn't actually like if i could make an actual full house i probably wouldn't not 
the show. Oh my god. <laughs> I probably wouldn't decorate it in that way, but because it's a, a tiny, tiny house, house yeah. that's why I want to do it. But also, this is in a perfect world where decorating your things in a traditionally feminine way doesn't make you a target. Exactly. Because I'm like, of course I want like a bright purple car or I want a pink car, but like that makes you a target. People no, will- No, get a load of this. Tell me. People kept saying that mm-hmm. online and I was like, is that actually true? I googled it. It actually deters people mm. from committing crimes against you because your car is so easily identifiable Ooh. and people notice when someone's near a weird car. Okay. So it actually is to your advantage to have kind of a weird car. That makes me feel better because yeah. I really want weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like I always wanted like a decorated car, but I was like, oh, like mm. I'm a woman. If I put traditionally feminine things in or queer things in, I'll become a target of vandalism. Yeah. Nope. Because people take notice. Okay. Of weird cars. Well, that makes me feel so much better. Yeah. The only bummer is, like, I've always wanted a pink car, but it sucks because the shade of pink I would want is, like, Mary Kay pink. Mm -hmm. But it's Mary Kay. I don't want to look like I fell for an MLM. Yeah. Anyway, so my house would be pink. It would have white trim, and there would be, like, tropical plants because I really love tropical plants. And um, it would obviously be, like, for stamina, obviously. And we would have, like, a front stoop and then a little kitty door. But the kitty door is only for puppies. Kobe can't go out the door. He can't go outside. So, unless he's on a leash. He could go outside on a leash. Yeah. Yeah. All right, anyway. So, today we have words to say about episode 608 of Riverdale, The Town. And having watched it now, that was a very good title. It was really just mostly about the town, wasn't it? It it sure was, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's a title. Mm-hmm. Um, so The Town is a 2010 American crime thriller uh, film co-written, directed by, and starring Ben Affleck. Uh, adapted from Chuck Hogan's 2004 novel, Prince of Thieves, it follows a group of Boston bank robbers who set, set out to get one final score by robbing Fenway Park. Cool. The only thing I wanted to say before we get started is just that I was listening to last episode and I accidentally said that Cheryl's house, like, had that whole storyline about how it was like the Sally house. Um, and what I meant was the Winchester, Winchester house. I knew Thank that you, you meant the Winchester house, and I was like, I'm just gonna let it go, yeah. because, like, I know what she's talking about. Yeah, I was just like, it's one of those weird-ass haunted houses where the woman who was in it, whose name started with S. Yeah, exactly. So. I think, oh, Sarah, Sarah. Winchester. Yeah. Um, by the way, the movie that they made about Sarah Winchester starring Helen Mirren, you think it's gonna be good? It's not. Okay. Okay, so just letting you know, it, eh. Okay. It's not worth it. Would you like to give this episode a toot or a boot? I'm honestly going to give it a newt. I didn't hoot and holler. Mm-hmm. And I at this point, that's my threshold for Riverdale is like, did I gasp? Or like, was I surprised? Was I at least entertained? Eh, not really, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, we, we had a couple of fun times uh, where we had like fully predicted what was going to happen before it happened, which yeah. is nice. So that was fun. Uh, yeah, I had a good time. I'm going to give it a toot. All right. you And you know what? That is your right. Yeah. I So far this season, other than like, if we ignore Rivervale, because there were a couple questionable ones over there. I tend to ignore um, Rivervale. Yeah. Uh, I would say so far of the three episodes I've seen, mm, no duds so far for me. Really? Yeah. You know what? I think same. Yeah. None of them have absolutely blown chunks. And yeah. for Riverdale, that's a miracle. Yeah. In season five, Chad said awesome sauce and I lost my mind. I said, absolutely not. You know? I, oh my God. I forgot that happened. Yeah. That was really funny. I think really about funny. that a lot. And no, I'm that was like, really funny. Who wrote that? <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm still baffled by that one. Because, like, my theory is that millennials write this. Yeah. But I can't be sure. Yeah. You know? I just don't know. So, um, what are some things that people need to know if they didn't watch the episode uh, before we go into this conversation? Well, if you didn't watch the episode or you haven't been catching up, um, Cheryl is no longer Cheryl. She's been replaced in her body by her ancestor, Abigail, Mm -hmm. who is also a big old lesbian. So, like, you know, at least we still get something. Yeah. Cheryl's trapped inside her own body and is being tortured by her mother. Yeah. What else happened? Oh, Jughead can read minds. Yes, Jughead can read minds. And we also learn um, that Percival also seems to have a uh, superpower, which is that he can He's control for sure people's a warlock. minds. He's for sure a warlock. Yeah, which is crazy because that's the first person that we've seen who wasn't in the explosion that has a superpower. So that's we have true. no idea where that came from. I think my favorite part of like the implications of all of this is realizing that, yeah, this is they're just trying to write mm-hmm. Sabrina. Yeah. All these writers wanted was to continue Sabrina. But it's a little more toned down, which I appreciate. Um, like, they're really, they're bringing it in very slowly. Whereas, like, I watched the first season of Sabrina and I was like, this is a lot. You know, I yeah. was expecting Riverdale going into it and it's, it was too much for me, to be honest. Well, I, I think from now on we should not expect Riverdale from anything. Because yeah. Riverdale is just so unique in its own badness. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then as for the Veronica and Reggie storyline, they are, they were like, we are not doing bad things anymore. And then by the end of the episode, they said, we're going to keep doing bad things. Yeah. So nothing, nothing changed. Yeah. They stay committing crimes, yeah. which is, you know, I like to watch them scheme. It's more intriguing to watch them scheme than it is Ronnie and Hiram. Yeah. So I'm into it. Yeah. I think that's about everything that you need to know going into the conversation. Yeah. Here. We were able to uh, split this episode into storylines. Thank God. Uh, instead of having to do it chronologically this time. So we're going to start with the Cheryl storyline and Brittany uh, covered that one. All right. Get ready for some weird crap. Woo. So Britta pays Nana Rose a visit and reveals that she saw Cheryl in Abigail's mirror. Nana Rose just like kind of decides that Abigail must be keeping Cheryl locked somewhere in her mind. Yeah. Even though Nana Rose was also sure that Cheryl was just gone. Uh huh. And then what was now the spider brooch cannot be explained at all. Exactly. I wrote that down. And I was like, so what is with the weird like shot of the spider brooch? Can I say something? I think you should. Okay. So I'm afraid I'm gonna have to bring up the numbered show if you do not mind. Oh, I'm gonna off myself. Maybe. I'm so sorry. Okay. In Will season, you miss me? of course. Oh, thank you. In season five of the numbered show, which is the hundred, but it hurt our feelings in the last two seasons, so we try not to speak of it. We dare not speak its name. We dare not speak its name unless it's in our other podcast. Where where we t- speak its name. <laughs> um, but basically, in season five of The Hundred, there was this shot of, um, they had like, it's hard to explain, but they had like these evil worms. You oh know? my god, I forgot about Do you remember about this? The there was worms. like these, these worms, and um, they were like, they did really bad things, basically. Like, if you let the worms go, they were like contained in this sort of, I don't know, a container, and they were the worms were in there, and if the worms got out, bad things would happen, right? So They were parasitic. Yeah, exactly. They're, yes. they're bad worms. So, um, at one point, they're like, fleeing, I believe, like a bunch of people are fleeing and they have these worms and then there's this, they drop accidentally the worms off the back of the car and then there's this shot of the worms like sitting in like in the container of worms, sitting in the sand, uh, like abandoned as they drive off and you're like, oh no, something terrible is going to happen because the wor- they've dropped the worms, the worms are going to get out, it's going to be really bad, bad things are going to happen, this is the main uh, initial incident of the rest of the season. Guess what? Never came back. 
Okay, so here's the thing. I actually talked to uh, one of the writers about that. Oh. And they were genuinely surprised that any of us had noticed or picked up on that. Mm-hmm. And mostly confused because they were like, why are you guys so fixated on that? And I'm like, because the camera was. Yeah. And we thought it was a clue. They had no idea. So did the writers write that the worms fell off of the of the thing? Or was that a director's decision and then I the director made that shot of the worms so important? I don't know that. Okay. All I know is that they were surprised that we fixated on it, which probably means that that was the director's choice. Yeah. Okay. But um, yeah. That was a really stupid choice for that director that I got to yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, there's your answer. All right. Well, anyway, that spider brooch kind of feels like that right now because that spider brooch was a very important shot. Was it just to... To say that like Cheryl was gone now or like where did you get the spider brooch why did anyway whatever it feels Move like on. it's like it was meant to be a red herring but it's Riverdale so every plot point is a red herring yeah. and nothing means anything mm-hmm. and it's the blossoms so of course everything is a red herring oh uh, okay for anyone uh who isn't me um Robin just dabbed and I'm considering killing her no I liked it oh yeah both ways okay so the only way to talk to Cheryl is if Abigail and Britta are both in deep sleeps Apparently, Nana just knows these things. I'm just like, how do you know this? I, she does a lot of reading. But, well, uh, but she, like, just goes back on everything she said before. Like, she's just like, well, maybe this. I don't I'm know. not, I'm surprised that it works, honestly. Like, uh, Nana Rose is legally senile. And we just take her word for things. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. Anyway. In her dreams, Cheryl is hostage to an insanely evil Penelope, who announces she is going to throw Cheryl and Jason a birthday party. Cheryl's gay-ass friend Heather is not welcome. Yeah. I had a question about the previous scene, was, which was just that, like, Nana says that they need to be asleep at the same time, like, beside her, and, like, Britta will be able to do it because there's a link, so I assume Nana Rose wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. And also she tells her that she has to wake up before Abigail or else face her wrath, and I was like, so what, if she wakes up before her, she'll just, like, attack her? I'm sorry, my thing scrolled and I read the second part of it, mm. and I missed that chunk, but I oh. did write that down. Yeah. Hey, sorry to our listeners. I skipped a part, but Robin's catching up. With no, it. that's okay. I'm just confused about the about the uh, mechanics, the fa- face her wrath thing. It's like, how do you? You clearly have this. Clearly hasn't happened before, Nana Rose. Like, how do you even? Know okay, this? but here's my favorite part: is she says, "Be careful, or you'll face her wrath." And then you the, you think this implies that, that Britta will mm-hmm. you know accidentally screw up? No, she doesn't. This never comes yeah. back. Uh, yeah. No, this, for sure it absolutely impli- implied yeah. that uh, Abigail was going to be standing over her as she woke up at one point. Yeah, yeah. this never comes back. No. So whatever. Anyway, so yeah. Britta goes into Cheryl's dream and I just want to say this show is stupid. Mm. Everything about this show is stupid. The actors clearly hate it. The writers are all on cocaine. But you know who knows what show she's on? Mm. Nat- Natalie Bull. Bull. She, uh, not only does she understand what show she's on, she loves it. Yeah. Because she is doing the most in every single one of these scenes. Like, she... What movie is that that RuPaul always references? Uh... With the wire hangers. Because this is what Nat Bolt's doing. Oh. Is that the one that... That, that um... Is it Mommy Dearest? Well, is it the one where Alyssa Edwards said, doo-wah, doo-wah? No, that's something... What's a... Hang on, I'm gonna Google it because... The reason I'm asking is because they actually do reference the movie yeah. later. Mo- it's Mommy Dearest. Okay. Yeah. So Nat Bolt is doing her full, like, mo- like Mommy Dearest. Mm-hmm. And I just, I appreciate her because she works so hard. She doesn't have to, but she put on a show for us. Yeah. I do appreciate it. It's true. I liked that um, as Abigail was, like, looking into the mirror as we're, like, transitioning into Cheryl's nightmare mm-hmm. and stuff, that she's, like, pinching her cheeks. So she's giving herself blush like they did in the old-timey days yeah. and not just putting blush on like Cheryl would. 
so I really liked that detail. That was a really cute detail. Where is actual Penelope? I would last like to time, know that too, didn't yeah. you? Last time we saw her, um, she had, I think it was in season five, so it was after the time jump. She was in Hiram's jail, and then there was the big breakout, and so she got out of jail. Didn't she call Cheryl? Did she? I'm pretty sure she called or told Cheryl that she was going on the run or something, right? Oh no, because she showed up when the fire was happening because Reggie set fire to the grove. Right. And then they did witch stuff so that the wind would move the fire. And I'm pretty sure that's the last time we saw her. Oh, wait. So Penelope's just still around in the house? I No, it does not seem like that's true. I just I just don't know where she is. Okay, guys. I assume she's just on the run. I, I assume that we're forgetting something. If we are, please tell us. Yeah. Or it's Riverdale. Yeah, or it's Riverdale. It tells us that Penelope treated Cheryl and honestly Jason at times worse than we had originally thought. Mm -hmm. But I do think also that this is clearly dramatized because it's a nightmare as well. Like Penelope didn't actually act as big as she is in this nightmare. No, I think Penelope's version of abuse was more insidious and uh, less overt. Yeah, like Um, she's she's kind of like a giant scary clown. Yes, here you mean? Yeah, here. Yes, I completely agree. It's 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 a mommy dearest reference. So it's gonna be big. It's gonna be camp. It's gonna be drag, Mm -hmm. which. Nat understood perfectly. Yeah. But yeah, I think Penelope's version of abuse was more insidious. Yeah. It's like everyone's wearing circus clothes. I don't know why, but it reminds me of clowns. <laughs> I, I think it's supposed to. Yeah. I also love the, and this is also possibly part of the like clown aesthetic that I'm, that I'm getting from it. Mm-hmm. But like the fact that it is Mads and uh, Trevor, I believe his name is, d- playing Cheryl and Jason but they're, but they're playing them as children. Yeah. So they're dressed up as children. And later when we see all of the children, all the other kids are being played by kids. By real kids. It's not the Riverdale actors, which I think is funny because how much money would you have given to see the Riverdale actors do that in the background? Yeah. Incredible. I, I loved it. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, I noticed that she calls Heather a two-bit trollop. And I'm like, excuse me, that's what Alice called Penelope in like season one or season two. So she oh, stole yeah. that. So I think this is what Nana Rose is saying, but is Abigail giving Cheryl all these bad memories in her mind on purpose to keep her from trying to get out? I wasn't entirely clear on why Cheryl was actually having these memories. Yeah. I figured it was just because like, should Cheryl ever become locked in her own mind? I think her subconscious choice would be to be tortured or like that her subconscious mind is sort of ruled by her mother. Mm-hmm. I think that's too deep a thought. Yeah. So I think the implication must be that Abigail is doing this, but. Yeah. I think that Nana Rose later implies that Abigail is the Penelope that's in the dreams. I don't understand why we spent an entire episode getting to know and love Abigail. Exactly. Why is she the bad guy now? No, exactly. Like I, I that's, that's literally the next thing I wrote down. Like that's evil. The, the, the Abigail that I saw in 604 was not evil. I really liked her. Yeah. Like, so, she was I don't really love that. cool, and she was, like, sort of, like, this radical, cool, queer woman mm-hmm. who wanted to teach other queer women how to, like, be out and proud and, mm-hmm. like, or wanted to educate women, I guess, but not be out and proud. But, like, yeah. I don't know. I just thought Abigail was cool. Yeah, and um, then that's confusing to me, because if Abigail is Penelope, why isn't, why doesn't she wake up and it's just like, hey, Britta, why are you in my dreams, in Cheryl's dreamscape? You know, because Britta is like, hi, hi, Penelope, I'm Cheryl's friend. Unless Penelope. Penelope is Abigail's subconscious. Yeah, and so Abigail doesn't know. You know what? I mean, clearly she doesn't know. You know what? Know, I'm going to stop us right now, right there. We're thinking too hard about this. You're right. 
move on. Yeah. So Abigail returns from the town hall where everyone just, I guess, discussed censorship in media. We'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. I have thoughts on that. I'm excited. She announces that Pickens would be a great ally, but she wants to research him first. He's clearly evil! Bestie, your idea of, like, a great ally is someone who wants to eradicate people who are unhoused? That's, that's your idea of a great ally. Yeah. How is this the same Abigail as that episode? I hate that. It's just so fully not. And it's like, okay, so now, does actual Cheryl still have powers or is it just Abigail that has powers? Because then it's like- No, I think Cheryl has powers. Okay, so then that's another person as well as Pickens who was not in the explosion who has powers. So like, it seems like, I'm like, excuse me, what's Alice's power? I think the implications are that the Blossoms have supernatural abilities, but that, you know, at some point- Cheryl does say that, you know, at one point I think magic was very common. So I think Pickens is probably an immortal. Mm. And he's, that's, he's like a holdover from that time. Mm-hmm. And I think the only people who are getting superpowers are like the ancestors and Alice wasn't a blossom. I don't, again, I'm thinking too hard about this. Anyway. I would like to see Alice's power be some continuity with her character. Oh my God. That's that what would, I'd like to see. You know what? Me too. Yeah. So Britta offers to get uh, Abigail a book on Pickens from the library and also some tea. Okay, yeah. sneaky. Because earlier she said she was going to drug her tea. Yeah. So Britta drugs Abigail yeah. and then herself. With what for drug? For some reason. With what drug? Where did you get it? Who's to say? She's a teen. I don't know. I mean, listen, if anyone has creepy drugs, it's Nana Rose. Yeah. I paused so I could read the book and the book looks very, very old and it says Riverdale through the ages. Okay. Okay. Who went? All right. But I was also like, Britta drugs herself too. Girl, fall asleep. I, it was genuinely such a stupid choice. I know that like Cheryl drank or Abigail drank the whole cup. And yes. Britta only had, like, a sip. What but, was like, the point of having the sip? Yeah, but, like, she puts on an alarm so that she wakes up, but I'm like, girl, if you take a little bit too much, you don't wake up without alarm. This is too, this is, this, you're, the risk is too high. Then again, though, if she had just laid down and closed her eyes and tried to sleep, we'd be sitting here going, oh, so you can just fall asleep that easily? Yeah, So like <laughs> that is fair. That you know? is fair. I, the only other thing I wanted to say about the scene was I just wanted to say congratulations to the girl who plays Britta for being so thoroughly promoted. Yeah, she, uh, has a sweet gig now. Yeah, yeah. Proud of her. Yeah. So Britta arrives at the twins' birthday party where Penelope informs her that the party is only for Jason, actually, because mm-hmm. Cheryl is an ungrateful brat. So she doesn't get any birthday presents and she doesn't even get a birthday. Like, there's literally a sign on the wall that says, happy birthday, Jason. Like, like she had no prepared girl. this ahead of time. Exactly. Penelope asks Britta who she is, but Britta wakes up before she can answer. At least she woke up ahead of Abigail. Yeah. She says it's like Jason's favorite cake. So like, all of this was like, this is only going to be for Jason. And so I was like, maybe she's only mean to Cheryl. She's not mean to Jason. But then, but then later, later, she's mean to Jason too. It's so, very confused. I don't know. But yeah, Britta says that she's a friend of Cheryl's. Then Cheryl's crying in the corner. And... Yeah. But then, you, so at the end, after she wakes up, at the end of the scene, I mean, mm-hmm. Abigail also wakes up and she's just like, oh, weird. And she like looks kind of groggy and like confused and stuff. And so then in literally the next scene, when she's fallen asleep because she's drank tea again, I'm like, girl, why do you keep drinking the tea if you fall asleep immediately after and you feel like something's a little fishy? Like, I feel like she hasn't put two and two together yet. Yeah. Which is weird because Abigail's supposed to be like super smart. Maybe so. Who knows? So, like, way later, 
Britta drugs Abigail again and finds Cheryl asleep in her bed in her own, like, perception, I guess. It's dreamception. She tries to tell Cheryl that all of this is a dream, but then Penelope barges in on Cheryl and Jason in their shared room? Yeah. Because, I guess, because they're kids. It honestly kind of reminded me, and I don't think it was the same place, but it, it reminded me of, like, the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Yeah. Just, like, the the layout of the room was kind of like that. I get that. Penelope starts ordering them around and demands that they start cleaning because their room is absolutely filthy, even though it is spotless. And in the middle of the night. Yeah. She's fully unhinged and Nat Bull is a masterclass. Yeah. It's amazing. There is no logic to any of this, but God, is it entertaining. Yeah. I think you're right about the room. I think that the reason why is that's probably how Jason and Cheryl actually did sleep, even though clearly Thornhill has a million rooms. Um, since they were twins, they slept in the same room. I feel like that could possibly have been what actually happened. Yeah. Also, it's interesting because Cheryl, like when Britta wakes her up, knows her, calls her by name. So like she she's not stuck in where she was as a child, yeah. you know? Like her brain isn't stuck where she was as a child. No. She's just like um like she's just still in there. And yeah, Britta hides under the bed and yeah, it's just like the middle of the night and she and she actively threatens to hurt them. Yeah, she she is very clearly extremely abusive, but I think this is probably pretty in line with how Cheryl perceived her as a child. Yeah. Oh, which that's is really fair. sad. Which is why it's so over the top. Exactly. So Britta tells Nana Rose that Penelope is torturing Cheryl in her mind, and Nana Rose is like, that checks out. Penelope abused her for years. Okay, and you did what? And yeah, and you didn't do anything about- Okay, and, I, I, I know you were living in the same house. And who abused Penelope, Nana? Hmm. 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 Anyway, Nana tells Britta to tell Cheryl, stay with me here, that she should just tell Cheryl none of it is real and Penelope is just a figment of her imagination. More like her nightmares. Yeah. But Britta needs to find a better way to communicate that message to Cheryl. Like, I know that it does work, but like, it kind of reminded me of like, well, if your friend is depressed, just tell them to not be depressed. Exactly. It was so <laughs> funny. I was like, none of this is a solution. I was like, that's but not helpful, off. but okay. Britta was like, um, okay, guess I'll just go figure this out all on my own and save your grandchild. Yeah, she's like, Abigail might take her permanently if you if she doesn't get out soon or whatever. And I'm just like, whose fault was that? You're the one, like... I'm gonna say it was Nana Rose's fault. Nana Rose is like, well, I wanted Abigail to be here, but now she put me in this barn-esque room with a bunch of hay, and now I don't want Abigail to be there. Well, then why did you summon her in the first place? (laughs) Exactly. What did you even need her for? I still don't have the answer to that question. Yeah, but Nana Rose is like, uh, yeah, so figure it out, I guess. Good luck. Figure it out, bald. Yeah. Britta decides to handwrite a note. She takes it with her into the dream somehow, I guess. She finds Cheryl sobbing by the fire. Penelope cut all of her hair off when she saw Cheryl with Heather. Okay. Still haven't seen Heather. All right, homophobe. However, I do like that they're bringing back Heather because she did talk about Heather in season two. Exactly. So uh, Heather is not a new concept in Cheryl's life. And there's clearly like a lot of Cheryl's like closeted trauma came from stuff that like this that probably actually did happen. Yeah. Anyway, Britta tells her that she's in a dreamscape, but Penelope interrupts and Napple proves that she knows exactly what show she's in by going full nutso again. Britta tells Penelope she's not afraid of her and Penelope locks Britta out of Thornhill. Yeah. Inside, Cheryl reads Britta's letter and when Penelope returns from the front door with a wire hanger, Cheryl is in full bad bitch Cheryl mode with her hair falling down her back like dominoes. Gorgeous. I thought you'd like that. 
I did. Penelope calls Britta another sapphic slut. Why does she hate gay people so much? Yeah. I just need to know. And it's like, she's not wrong. We know Britta's gay. <laughs> but like, uh, Heather and then Tony and then Britta. And it's just like, yeah, gay people find each other because we need each exactly. other. Exactly. The, the homophobia is just so much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I said, if Penelope is Abigail, wouldn't she know that Britta was in there? But clearly not. Yeah, my next note, Natalie is absolutely killing it, like you said. There's not a lot to say here. It's pretty straightforward in terms of like what they're trying to do with the story. So. And she like is saying out loud that she's going to like almost kill her. Like she's actually like going to physically beat her to death, basically. Yes, 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 yes. Terrifying. Last thing I wanted to say about this scene was just that Mumsy is so much less embarrassing than Daddykins. And I'll allow her that's to say e- Mumsy whenever no, she that's wants. That's extremely true. Thank yeah. you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you for speaking on this issue. No problem. Later, Cheryl tells Britta in a dream that her loyalty will be rewarded after they've driven Abigail out of her body. But she kind of has like no idea how to do that. Yeah, that's it. Yep. And that's that scene. Or that's, that's that, that storyline. Uh, and then, so now we're gonna go into the Veronica and Reggie storyline. The um, veggie of it all. The veggie. Which kind of weaved in and out of the Archie storyline, but we did feel like it was separate enough to talk about it separately. Yeah. Um, so at the town meeting, Alice calls Veronica and Reggie out for running their unsanctioned casino, as, as usual. As she should. Veronica's like, the employees are citizens of Riverdale. We pay them very generously. We're going to bring in people from out of town. And Alice is like, the people who profit from a casino are the owners. And that's it. The lodges are always bad for this town. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Should she say it? No. Is she right? Yes. A little. But I'm just annoyed because, and I think we're all annoyed, because once or twice every season, they really walk Alice back to season one, Alice. And it's annoying. She has learned she has moved on from this. Yes, she has. Here's the thing. Okay. I would allow it if this was after Pickens had spoken to her and had, like, persuaded her into, like, being against uh, and and being on his side a lot or whatever. But this is before he spoke to her. Yep. You know? So, like, what what's her excuse? There literally is none. I understand that she's, like, wanting it for, like, the best of the, uh, the betterment of the town and everything. And I think that some of her points are quite good. It's just that she's saying them in such a mean season one Alice way when she could be so much kinder about it. It's impossible to, like, get behind her and be like, yeah, like, the things that she's saying is right. It's like, well, no, she's actually just being a dick, you know? The Council of Four, I'm just like, they are a really good choice of people, and I thought they were, and now it's like, well, we need one person in the Council of Four to be terrible and mean. And I'm like, that's not why we chose them as part of the Council. Alice! And I'm like, okay. That's not why we chose them as part of the Council. No, we chose them because they're supposed to have, like, fair and balanced opinions, and I guess... I guess the implication here is that Alice is the conservative. Yeah. Which, all right. Okay, okay, whatever. So Veronica tells Reggie that the only way that they can get approved is if they do everything above board and not run any scams. All right. So Veronica still has Hiram's portrait, and it's sort of sort of packaged up, but also kind of open so that we can see what it is. Uh, and Veronica's portrait is above Reggie's desk, which I think is really cute and sweet. It's actually adorable, just like for the record. It is goofy, though, because it's across from Veronica's desk, so she's just staring at herself. I know, and so it's just like- She's her own inspiration. If I was Reggie, I'd be like, I don't want your dad's one above me though he's like always looking down on me and staring at me i hate that we also had a whole thing about how like she forgot to blueprint him an office oh yeah so so, now i guess they they just share an office which Which is is pretty cute yeah i like like that and they're like hey we assumed we'd be breaking laws but what if we didn't and reggie is absolutely baffled by this 
I think his, at his core, Reggie actually really enjoys crime. Yeah, uh, I think so. I, I get it. Yeah. And they're like, we have to prove Alice wrong, make it better for the town, start a brand new chapter. She says that she just bur- buried her father. So that tells me that it has been like a little bit of time since last episode. Yeah. But it can't have been enough time that Archie's full house is fixed, though. You know? Yeah, that's the thing that baffles me. I was like, why is the house completely fixed? It's been two days. Yeah. And then so Reggie brings up the fact that like, that sounds great, but we need like licenses and permits and stuff, which is really expensive. So we'll have to figure that out, I guess. I Reggie sure. just goes along with whatever Veronica wants to do, even if he doesn't like it. I mean, you know what? We love a supportive king, mm-hmm. but whenever he does voice what he wants, it's usually that he just wants to commit crime. Yeah. And they're going to hang Hiram's portrait above Reggie's desk to remind themselves who not to be. Like, it's it's nice. It's a nice thought. It just feels like such a threat. (laughs) Yeah. So Veronica does a presentation at the next town meeting about making... There's just a million town meetings this episode. There's so many Um, town meetings. About making Riverdale the next Atlantic city and making it a friendly, a family-friendly tourist destination, but Alice still pushes back on it. Hey, I'm just gonna say it. That sounds like it sucks. Yeah, the weird billboard on their poster, also weird and weird. And then weird. Um, I just thought it was weird. Um, it is weird, and it sounds like it sucks, and I, it's such a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It, I'm just gonna say it, and I've said it before, Veronica is bad at business. <laughs> None of her ideas are good. None of them fit the town of Riverdale. Pearls and Posh was a bullshit idea. The jewelry store, bullshit idea. This one, bullshit idea. This is not what the town of Riverdale needs. Mm-hmm. It needs a stimulated economy that doesn't rely on gambling. Yeah, and that's why Frank makes such a good ch- uh, such a good point. Like, okay, so first of all, they say uh, this. It says on the poster, "Your place to play and stay." And so Alice says, "So children can gamble now." And I'm like, well, "I'd like to see that." <laughs> and Veronica's like, "No, no, we're gonna open a daycare. We're gonna have an arcade." And I'm like, "Veronica, with which with what money though? Because Reggie's saying if we do everything above board, you're not making any profit. Exactly. So how are you gonna do this? I guess with the help of the town. But Frank makes an incredible, a very good point. He mm-hmm. says, "Okay, sure, but." Riverdale has a lot of people who struggle with addiction and people who have had really scary things happen to them, you know, have PTSD like myself and like Archie, we're veterans. And so this could be maybe not so good for them. Great point from Frank. Super super great point. Incredible point from Frank. And um, so Veronica's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. And Alice is like, no, it's over. If anything, and also if anything bad happens at your casino, uh, absolutely not. I, um, I'm going to be honest. Alice shutting that down is hysterical to me. Because it's a crappy idea. Yeah. It's a horrible, crappy idea. So when Alice was like, no, I was like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, Reggie's worried that they'll never turn a profit if they don't do scams. Um, and then in the most exciting scene of the episode, uh, Peter Brown from the first season of Big Brother Canada Here we go. Uh, works at Babylonium now since he didn't win Big Brother and tells them to go to one of the private gambling Y'all, games. when I tell you, I have never heard Robin screen like that in my life. I literally, I, the, the it, it almost, and I don't know Peter Brown. I don't know him but you feel like you do but i feel like i do he was on the very first season of big brother canada um which was very exciting because uh in big brother us i was a very big fan of big brother since bb12 uh us and for the us seasons of big brother you have to pay to get the live feeds um but when you get the live feeds you can like watch what they're doing 24 7 oh right 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 um 
And Big Brother Canada offers those for free. And so you don't have to pay for them. You can just watch them, which Whereas is awesome. in the US, they are heavily monetized. Exactly. And so Big Brother Canada 1 was the very first time that I was able to watch the live feeds. I was in my senior year of high school. Yes. And um, me and my best friend from high school at the time would go because we both had spares at uh, like right before lunch. And so we would go back to their house because they lived right beside the school. And so we would go back and we would have lunch there. And since the BB Can uh, house is in Toronto, when we were there eating lunch, we were early because it was the period before lunch. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was lunchtime in Toronto. And so we would sit and eat lunch with the house guests on it's, Baby Can 1. It's very cute. We specifically would eat food with Peter like every day. And Peter was a very picky eater and he would only eat chicken strips and chicken nuggets. You know what? He speaks for me. Yeah. And so we would sit and eat lunch while while Peter ate his chicken nuggets every school day. Please, his chicken nuggets. And so seeing that man... <laughs> Come up on Riverdale. On Riverdale! I gasped! And I knew that he had been doing acting stuff because he had been, like, um, a background actor in an episode of Once Upon a Time at some point. And, you know, I, I still follow him on Twitter. I still follow him on Instagram. And so seeing him here, my jaw dropped and I lost my mind. Because it's Riverdale. Like, you don't expect the collision yeah. of two, those two things. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately tweeted him saying, hey, I see you on Riverdale. And he liked it. I am so happy for you. I was very excited. Congratulations. Yes. One time, I knew that he lived here in Vancouver. And so one time uh, oh, yeah. when I just had moved here, uh, me and Brittany were driving down Nelson. Yes, it was Nelson. Yeah, Nelson Street. And uh, we were driving down and I was like, oh my God, that's Peter from Big Brother Canada 1. And I almost, if we hadn't been, if the if the light had been red and we had stopped, I was going to roll down my window and be like, you should have won Big Brother Canada 1, Peter Brown. That would have um, been really cute. But the light was green and then he was gone. Yep. And that's the only time I've seen him. God, it's like that time that we saw Cole and we were at a stoplight and everyone yeah. was like, don't look at him. Yeah, don't, don't, don't ignore him. Forget him. So yes, Peter Brown from the first season of Big Brother Canada is here and he does a great job. Thank you I'm so very much. proud of him. And yeah, I screamed. Thank you. Thank That's you. the only time we see him, but thrilled that he is making a generous living wage <laughs> at Babylonia. I hope that he's uh, in a few more episodes. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. It says on the Wikipedia, it says guest starring Peter Brown as casino manager or whatever. And I was like, that's my friend. I'm so happy for you. So Reggie and Ronnie get to the private room that Peter Brown from Big Brother Canada One, of course, told them to go to. And they find a man hanging from the ceiling. They realize that this could ruin their chances at getting sanctioned with the town. So Ronnie's going to call Geraldo to fix it. There's nothing like putting capitalism over human life. You yeah. Know? For sure. However, what I have to say is <laughs> Peter Brown from Big Brother Canada 1. My guy. Is that his full name now? Yeah. Okay. Peter Brown from BB Can 1. Yep. My guy. Your guy. You gotta warn people. Yeah, I know. He's like, there's an there's a matter that needs your attention. You need to go there right it's now. It's a dead person. Yeah. Maybe tell people, hey, just so you know, this is, might be a little bit surprising. They walk in, they're like, do 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 ah! A dead person! <laughs> yeah. Waggy! <laughs> um, so, so they're like, do we call an ambulance? That's probably what good people would do. And they're like, ooh, But no. we're not good people anymore, I guess. So Veronica says that she's going to call Abuelita's Iceman. Is he Abuelita's Iceman? I thought that he was just a... a you know what? He I, probably is Abuelita's Iceman. No, I don't think that Abuelita knows that Geraldo does these things. She's like, he's such a nice boy. Like... All right, fair enough. What? She knows. You don't... You think so? I think Abuelita knows Abuelita more than she lets her. She knows. I guess. Really? I don't know. I got the idea that she was just like, look at this nice man who is my godson. I love him so much. You should talk to him, Veronica. He's so nice. 
And he's just like, I know everything about I'm the Batman. I know everything about this family. I don't know. I think she knows. Mm. It could go either way, but I think she knows. So uh, Veronica and Reggie watched the security footage, and uh, the dead man was winning a lot, so why did he kill himself? Uh, And they realized that they see him talking to Percival Pickens right before he did it. Shitty bitch. Um, They're like, oh, he must have been losing a lot because he was, like, sad and upset. But he was up almost $20,000. That's a good night. Yeah. So then Pickens was seen whispering in his ear, and then they're like, oh, that's weird. Do you think Pickens just whispered, kill yourself? How about you die? Yeah. Maybe. This show is that stupid, so. Yeah. Uh, And then Geraldo shows up and he's like, hello, I'm looking for the dead person. And Reggie's like weirded out by that. He's like, did you want to like ask how are you? Did you want to like like, any small talk? Do you want to drink? Yeah, right. (laughs) So Geraldo packs up the dude and tells Veronica his plan for getting them off the hook. And she asks him to look into Pickens. So he says that his plan is that he's going to drive him to Jersey in the guy's own car, string him up in a bathroom of a rest stop with no cameras. Everything and then, is legal in New Jersey. In. Exactly. And so he's like, anyway, how's it going? And she's like, uh, bad. <laughs> I mean, there's a dead guy that you're literally cleaning up yeah. from my casino, so it's not going great. He's like, okay, do you want me to bring in some people that I know could help? And she's like, no, we're trying to be good. That's okay. Also, can you look into Pickens? My question, does she pay Geraldo or does he just help to help? I think he just helps. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think she pays him. Okay. If I was Geraldo, I'd be like, why are you asking me? <laughs> look yeah. it up yourself. Yeah, that's rude. <laughs> so... At the next town meeting, because there's a million town meetings, uh, Veronica and Reggie speak to Alice again about their casino because it didn't get brought up because a bunch of other things were happening. And Alice basically says it's never going to happen and it's because Veronica specifically is attached to it. Again, I mean, the way that Alice phrases this is very much like, you are your father and I blame you for all of his mistakes, Mm -hmm. which is messed up. Yeah. The problem is that Alice isn't wrong because Ronnie is just like her father in a lot of ways, but especially in how she decides to conduct business. Mm -hmm. So Alice isn't exactly wrong in saying, "Mm, no, I don't trust you. Yeah. Because, like, they did build the casino without any permits. Yeah, exactly. No, that you're you're right. Yeah. Veronica makes a lot of shady ideas, and she's like, I'm not my father. And it's like, no, well, you are, though, bestie. Maybe you're just, like, like a fork off from him. Though, yeah. You know? Like, like you're, you're just a one left turn away from being him. Like, you have sometimes. a pretty good moral compass, but you are willing to cut corners. I think the thing is, the difference is, and I love Veronica, just to say. Oh, yeah. But Hiram does bad illegal things and he knows that he's being bad but when veronica does some bad illegal things because there isn't it's not like there aren't any victims to what she's doing Mm -hmm. you know there are victims and so i think that the difference is that hiram does bad things and knows that they're bad but veronica does bad things and then justifies to herself that it's okay and that it's good yeah that's the difference And, and i do think that veronica tries to be good yeah like i think her heart is always in the right place it's just that she also really likes money I also think that she didn't, she doesn't try hard enough. When she makes a decision to be good, her, she, her spine turns to jello and she tries for one day and then that's it. Yeah, you basically. Know? Yeah. So yeah, Alice has a hard no because she talked to Percival and it's just too much risk for the town. Yeah, Alice's motivation is just crap here. Yeah. But her point is unintentionally fair. She's like, we might do it if Veronica stepped back. I'm still mad that Veronica doesn't have a power, but all of the other main characters who are white she, seem to have power. She always gets stuck with the crappiest yeah. storylines. Like, and Veronica and Reggie also don't, like, neither of them have powers, which no. is annoying. So she's like, I'm not my dad. And she's like, okay, well, you have the same last name as him. So Veronica's like, I'm going to go by Veronica Luna again. <laughs> no, Why she didn't did say she that. not do that anymore? Yeah. She should have kept that. Because it was like, 
like, because Veronica Lodge is iconic, that's why. They can't do that forever. Um, and she's like, I've worked really hard to not be like Hiram. And Alice is like, okay, well, you can't do your casino without us, so figure it out, I guess. Figure it out, bald. So that night, Veronica and Reggie decide that they are gonna do scams again, and Geraldo also tells Veronica that he looked up Pickens and he's a straight-up ghost and there's no record of him ever existing. Yeah. So that's, that's good. I, I like your theory that he's like, not even just somebody from England, but he's also just straight up an immortal being. Yeah, I think the real Percival never died. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because Percival's an old ass name. But so it is really Archibald. Is, but so is Archibald. <laughs> oh, that's true. It is. So they're like, okay, time to be bad guys again. Also, Geraldo, bring in those guys that you asked if you could bring in, because we need big money fast. Big money, and, big money. Yeah, by the way, that guy doesn't exist. Okay. Oh, sure. In- information to bring into the next episode. So before we go into the last storyline, we're going to really quickly talk about Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a service in which you can donate some of your favorite creators. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theaficionados. It's a monthly donation. And um, if you join, you get some really cool stuff out of it. At $1 a month, you get early access to every single one of the podcasts. This one comes out a day in advance. Um, but all the other ones come out a whole week in advance. So it's probably worth it. She's right. Um, $2 gets you our Discord server. $5 gets you 10% off at shoppylux.com where Brittany sells stuff. Uh, Hybrid Embroidery where I sell stuff. And um, Lost and Found Candle Co. where our Lost co-host Casey sells stuff. So yeah. check that out. Um, and my personal favorite is the $10 level, which gets you access to our Patreon-only podcast, which is called OK Love You Hi. We talk for about 45 minutes every two weeks about whatever we want to talk about, whatever our listeners want us to talk about. And it's really fun. It's nice to just sit down and talk to your friends. Yeah. We yeah. just vibe the whole time. Which, like, I mean, this is us talking to my friend, too, but it's about whatever we want to yeah, talk about. Yeah, whatever we want to talk about. Yeah, so it's fun. Because it's our show. And not yours. Yeah. Um, if you can't do that, check out the places where Brittany, myself, and Casey all sell stuff. That's a way to help us and also get something cool out of it. We have small businesses! Yeah, it would really help us a lot. Uh, they are all female, queer-owned businesses. So you would be really, um, you'd be supporting a good cause. And God, get something we cool. are so cute. We are so cute. And if you can't do any of those things... The free thing that you can do is just to recommend us to a friend. And that would be really great if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Thanks. Nailed it. You can recommend this one or any of our other ones. And sometimes you can also recommend them to yourself. <laughs> if you ha- if this is the only one you listen to, check out some of our other ones. Yeah, great. Give, give her a go. Yeah, we'll talk about them in the outro. So, yeah. Thanks. So, moving on to the big storyline. Uh, it's the Archie storyline. So, and also Jughead and, you know. Whatever. Basically, the, the main storyline where most people are in. Basically, the core four are there. Yeah. Uh, except for... Betty, who said, I'm leaving at the end of last episode, and oh, yeah. she did. <laughs> we forgot to mention it at the beginning when we were like, oh, what should we talk about that, like, people miss? Betty's not here. Yeah. Do we know why? No, actually. Well, she said she was going to try and get rid of TBK. Right, but then and then, he... she, and then at the end, she did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait, so TBK's gone? Yeah, like, when you get to the end, the reason I said, like, there was no, you know, no uh-huh. point is because, like, there kind of was no point. I guess they're just pausing the TBK storyline until the finale, and yeah. I'm like, you guys should try and make that less obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so Jughead told Tabitha that he can just hear again, but actually he's just hearing the thoughts of people right before they speak. Yeah. If I was Tabitha, I'd, I'd be a little suspicious of that. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be immediately jumping to my boyfriend can hear mine or can, 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 yeah, can hear thoughts. But like, he literally was like, hey, did you just think about this? And she was like, yeah. Yeah, I I feel like one writer decided that would be super cool, mm-hmm. and then the other writer was like, "Oh, we but can't." But Tabitha can't know. Yeah, we can't have like that reveal yet, so let's just yeah. put a pause on that. And I'm like, "You guys need to have some form of unity, or I'm gonna beat you all." <laughs> so like, everyone thinks that his hearing is just back. Yeah, um, they think he's been magically cured. And like, I don't love that Jughead basically can just hear again. Like, they're just making it so that Jughead is just like. 
normal Jughead now. Like, I mean, there are a couple things that are, that happen that are important in regards to that. But I don't love that the writers just like, were like, okay, well, Jughead can't do this forever. The storyline's over, you know? So that was kind of disappointing. So the whole town is reading an anonymous article the Jughead published about how sucky Riverdale is. I mean, you can't blame him. And that's the main thing of the episode. So someone submitted it to Jughead to his Riverdale choice email. So he published it anonymously to protect their identity because they asked for him to do it anonymously. And so as a journalist, he did it. But that means Jughead knew before Percival said it was me. Jughead knew it was Percival and just didn't tell anybody because he's a good journalist. Which like, I get that for the record. I totally understand that. My question is, no, maybe I don't have a question. Maybe Mm -hmm. I just, I understand, but I kind of wonder like what Jughead's own thoughts were on Mm -hmm. it before he published it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a good question. We see Frank and Alice sitting together at the breakfast table reading it. And I'm just like, so do you guys live together? Or like, did we just miss all of that? Well, I have some complaints. I'm just like, Frank is attracted to the Alice from like season five that Mm -hmm. he met and knew. Not this dickhead. Not season one, Alice. I don't see Frank liking this person. And when she like speaks up in the town meeting and is super like mean and stuff, you can see him. He sits beside her and he looks at her like, uh, like, why are you saying, you know? It's weird. And I'm just like, so are they going to be together or not? It's weird. It's like if Betty and Archie now live at Archie's house, does Frank live with Alice? I I didn't see any of that. I I guess, like, because Archie bought the house. Yeah. Or, like, he was just sleeping over. But, like, I think, I think the thing that pisses me off the most is, once again, Alice and, like, whatever Alice is doing in terms of, like, her relationships is just not important to the writers. Uh And I'm like, okay, so not only did you turn her back into season one shitty bitchy Alice, you also made me miss their actual first kiss. So the last time that we saw them was at the end of season five when he asked her out on a date. Yeah. And I think the writers forgot that Rivervale wasn't real. Yeah. And so they are just like, oh yeah, those two are together, right? Yeah. That's annoying. You know that a lot of people watch this show for the adult characters. So I'm not sure what- I don't think they care. I know, but they know that. That's what annoys me is that I don't know if they care, but they know that. So that's, that's what's upsetting. So the article called the casino illegal, which is fair. Which is, yeah. But also said it was like a gateway to a bunch of bad stuff. Um, which also mm-hmm. they're mad about the gangs. When Abigail reads it, she like is smiling and is happy to read it, I guess, because she's mad at Riverdale. I think that they forgot the writers and they forget a lot of things. So it's okay. Um, no, it's not okay. Oh, okay. But I think they forgot that at the end of season five, Cheryl was like, Thornhill is no longer part of Riverdale. Oh my God. I thought Thorn. I forgot Thornhill seceded from Riverdale. I was like, Queen, why do you show up to the town meetings if you're not part of the town? Why does, well, cause Abigail doesn't know that. Yeah. But my favorite part is that, um, no one else has mentioned it. Yeah. And so, so the writers definitely forgot. So Abigail's like, haha, what a lovely article about how much I hate Riverdale. And so it also says there's a sucky police force and there's no culture or the performing arts. And I'm like, excuse me, Percival, you didn't see Carrie. Yeah. It was incredible. You jerk. Um, He's really pissed about the economy. And then Pop is like, our town is bad. Are you sure that you're happy to live here? And he's like, I'm so still happy to have moved here. And I'm just like, what's your motive? You're so weird. Why are you happy to be here if you're actually not happy to be here? Yeah. He's like, I am so happy to be here, even though I wrote this article about how crappy it is. Because it's like, here's the thing. Op-Ed's criticizing the way a place is run is not only valid, it's actually super important to the democratic 
culture of a society. You should be able to criticize politicians and the choices that they make that lead to issues within your own city. Mm -hmm. The problem is that this isn't what Percival is doing. He's basically just trying to get everyone riled up. Yeah. And he's not actually criticizing like, you know, the infrastructure or how spending is done or how taxes are used. He's basically saying there's a bunch of degenerates that live here and I don't like any of them. I have a question that I thought of as you were speaking. So Jughead hears the thoughts of the people in the town hall, and most of them are at least the ones that he hears, agree with Percival. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Archie is convinced that the people of Riverdale aren't like that. You know, the people of Riverdale are good, and they want to take care of their own, and they, they want to take care of the people of Sketch Alley. And so I'm wondering if Percival's power can come through in his article, in his writing. And that's what has turned the uh, turned the minds of those people. You know what? That's a really good observation. And I think that's possible. I think that's something that the writers would maybe think of. Yeah. Let's not give them too much credit. I think that it's a smart idea that came mm. from you. Thanks. <laughs> So Archie obviously needs someone to blame, and the only person attached to the article is Jughead, so he goes to yell at Jughead. At the school? So do you guys still work there at the school? Are they all still teachers? Like, Betty Betty left. teachers. Betty left for who knows how long. Well, maybe she got a sub. Well, she apparently went to, like, Maine and everything, so it has been a while since the end of last episode, but how long has it been? Do Are you still a teacher? Where's Weatherby? (laughs) The way that this show forgets everything that it does, because everyone who writes an episode has never seen an episode of the show. Yeah. You know? The article said it was the worst town in America and he's like yelling at Jughead and I'm just like, Jughead didn't write it. Archie doesn't understand the concept of journalism. Also, that's not true. Spokane exists. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that I lived in Spokane. Mm. I have I have a right to say that. Yeah. Here's my here's my card. <laughs> and so Jughead's like, listen, I didn't write it. It's an unbiased publication. While I do not agree with the townspeople who think that you should not publish something because they don't like it. I do think that Jughead's idea of unbiased journalism is too idealistic for the kind of polarized world that he's clearly living in because that's the same kind of like rhetoric that really big publications in our world have used, which is like unbiased reporting, you know, report both sides, which is how Trump wound up with such a platform and how the alt-right have risen is because Democrats, one, I think a lot of Democrats are spineless and they're afraid of confrontation and two they believe that all arguments have merit and all sides and perspectives have merit without taking into account that sometimes those perspectives promote hate speech or Mm. promote prejudice against a people like i don't know the unhoused Mm -hmm. and so instead of like promoting using tax money to help those people it's about the eradication of those people and i think that Jughead's idea of unbiased journalism is a bunch of bull. But I don't think that the way that the townspeople interpreted that is what I'm thinking. Yeah. So Jughead's like, if I tell you who wrote it, you're just going to beat them up. And Archie's like, and in his mind, Archie's like, yes, I will beat them up. And in his, in his actual speech, he's just like, no, I will not beat them up. That's my boy. Yeah. So Jughead's like, listen, for next week's publication, I will interview you and yeah. it'll make it better. And we'll, ha- we'll have seen both sides. And Archie's like, no, we're calling a meeting and everybody can respond to it there in person. I liked Jughead's idea. I thought that was a nice idea. Yeah, I think Jughead has lots of good ideas this episode. Yeah. 
Big fan of Jughead this set. So at the town meeting, Archie demands to know who wrote the article and Percival Pickens fesses up and he says that Riverdale could be amazing, but all of the homeless people, his words, homeless people are ruining it and he thinks they should just be like bust out immediately. It's the way that society takes no accountability for how those people got there in the first place yeah. that just floors me. So Jughead is reading people's thoughts and someone thought that Alice had written the article. I missed that. Yeah. They were like, oh, it's probably Alice. Yeah. Yeah. Given who Alice is in this episode, mm. it's realistic. And so per- Percival's like, well, if you had seen the name Pickens on it, you would have thought about my great-great-grandfather who did bad things to you, and so I wanted you to be able to, like, see it with clear eyes. And Tony's like, oh, yeah, you mean your great-great-grandfather's genocide against my ancestors? Hmm, yeah, I probably would have, to be honest. May I just say, Tony popping off like that? Yeah. Was amazing. Yeah, and Abigail really likes that moment, too, because she's just like, not only is she bringing up her ancestors, but she's, she's also being super sassy. <laughs> yeah, she's, like, standing up for herself yeah. and, like, having a voice. And I'm like, okay, you're very gay. Yeah. So Archie's like, you've been here for, like, four days. You're just a random person trash-talking us with no solutions. My boy has a point. And he's like, no, I do have solutions. You just won't listen to me. And Archie's like, I have a solution for you. I'm gonna beat you up outside! That's my man! Um, Archie has been radicalized to the left. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend that it's not great. (laughs) And Frank's like, okay, okay, that's enough of that. Uh, And so Percival's saying he wants to get rid of the homeless encampment, his words. He basically just has a crappy viewpoint on people who are down on their luck. Like, he just says, like, you don't want to give them handouts because then they're just going to take it and they don't actually want help. They just want you to give them stuff. And so you're just, yep. like, helping them along. Uh, they're, they're just selfish, basically. So that's, like, been, like, the predominant conservative narrative mm-hmm. about the unhoused or people who are less fortunate is that whatever you give them, they will take advantage of. Yeah. Which is not true, mm-hmm. but is, like, one of the biggest talking points. Mm-hmm probably in modern conservatism, is if you give something to someone, they will not appreciate it. When we literally just went through COVID and people were given stimulus checks, everyone really appreciated the stimulus checks. So, yeah. But it's a very common talking point. It's just, it's definitely wrong. But you can really feel like that someone in that writer's room knew like, hey, let's, let's sort of do a lesson, you know, let's, let's talk about modern conservatism and let's put all of those ideals in this character. Yeah. Which I, I guess I appreciate. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say how much I love that he keeps using homeless and like Jughead comes in with unhoused. Like, I just love that. People keep correcting the language Mm -hmm. and he won't budge on it. Yeah. It's a good little indicator. Mm -hmm. I would hate to think that if I was down on my luck like that, mm-hmm. that somebody would just want to get rid of me instead of helping me. You know what I mean? And like the place that we live, which mm-hmm. is in Vancouver, is notorious yeah. for our government doing that to the unhoused mm-hmm. and leaving addicts and people without resources. It's notorious. Yeah. I mean, like that literally happened. People get bust out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what Percival is saying. Mm-hmm. is like, let's just get rid of them. Like, we'll be nice about it, but we just don't want them here. Yeah. You know? And it's a bunch of bull. And Jughead's reading the thoughts and everyone is agreeing. And at first I'm just like, are you serious? Like, I'm like Archie. Archie's like, the people of Riverdale are better than this. Exactly. But Percival is saying it out loud. And so all the people agree because of what he's saying. And, you know, you get that new insight on it after you've watched it the first time. Yeah, exactly. So Archie's like, no, Riverdale takes care of their own. Sketch Alley, the people who live in Sketch Alley are citizens just like us. And they're like, okay. Exactly. They're like, that's great, Archie, but you need to give us another solution then because clearly we need a solution here. 
And so Archie's like, okay, I guess I'll figure it out. I guess I'll literally do this job by myself. Yeah. So Jughead comes to Archie's house, which is apparently completely finished, um, and says that he, <laughs> he agrees with him, but Archie doesn't have any ideas to put forth against Pickens' idea. Uh, but Jughead does. And so he suggests building little tiny homes. I mean, it is a good idea. Yeah. It's very similar to the container idea that uh, has taken root in, like, figuring out how to house people that mm-hmm. need houses. Containers. Yeah. Yeah. So Jughead walks into his house and immediately asks Archie not to punch him. And Archie's like, I should I should punch you. And I'm just like, no, you shouldn't. What? He didn't do anything. Be nice to my friend Jughead. He didn't do anything. So he's like, dude, I'm supposed to be unbiased, but I'm, like, I'm supposed to be unbiased in the publication. However, personally... I fully agree with you. Yes. He knows those people. He used to be one of those people. Those people are important to him and he understands the community and that they're good people. Exactly. And so Archie's like, well, you didn't say that out loud. And he's like, you're right. I didn't. And I'm sorry. And next time and at the next one, I will say it. I think that it's a fair point from Archie. Yeah. And so Jughead's like, here's my idea. Tiny houses. There's room for a shower, toilet, and a bed. Girl, where? However, having looked at it, I'm like, I don't know where you- Y'all, if you didn't that. watch the episode, it's a box. It's so small. It's just a box <laughs> in a parking lot. I, You can't even put a bed in it. Yeah. So Percival Pickens comes to Alice and uses his persuasion magic to get her on his side. Um, and he's like, please, please call me Percival. Gross. Ew. Uh, and she's I'll like- i you butthead. <laughs> and so Alice is like, I don't want to give you a yes or a no until Archie gives his idea, which is really great of Alice. However, if it was Veronica, she wouldn't listen. You know what I mean? It's true. She wouldn't care if it was But Veronica. she also knows that Archie um, ha- has good ideas that make people's lives better. Yeah, right. That's fair. And Veronica... Uh, Does not. Often she is under the guise even to herself, I think, that the things that she is going to do is going to help everyone yeah. when it's really just going to help herself. Veronica is at all times doing what she thinks is her best and what she thinks is right. Mm-hmm. And I admire that. It's just not correct. Yeah. So he's like, oh, can I call you Alice? And she's like, mm, okay. And he's like, don't you want Riverdale to be safer because of what happened to your daughter, Polly? And so clearly she is now being brainwashed by this. I'm sorry that, oh, right, brainwashing. Because I was like, I'm sorry, but like Alice would be offended that someone used Polly like that. Yeah, yeah. So at the next town meeting, uh, Archie presents his tiny home idea and people really like it until they hear how much it'll cost even with free labor from Andrew's construction. Well, maybe you could cut funding to, I don't know, literally anything else. Yeah. Do a fundraiser. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. They've done fundraisers before. The car wash thing? (laughs) Like, Yeah, that was stupid, but it worked. (laughs) So it's going to be eight feet wide. It'll house one to two people. And I'm just like... I just don't know how even one person can do no, it. Okay, I'm sorry. There's no way those things were eight feet yeah. wide. I'm sorry. They're not. Yeah. Maybe it's just like a mini, the one that we saw, maybe it's just a mini version of the mini house. I don't know. Because I think he said that that those wouldn't actually be the, wait. Because he says that he wants to put them in the parking lot so that the people will feel like they're part of like the town. So yeah, is that an actual, the actual size? Because there's no way that was eight feet. There, It wasn't eight okay. feet. Okay. Anyway. So they're like, also it can be locked. So it feels like they have like somewhere that they can put things that is theirs. Yeah. Um, there will also be free labor from Andrew's construction. And I'm like, yeah, because they're not unionized. <gasps> is Archie paying for, is he still paying them, but Archie is paying for it? Like, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think the free labor probably comes from the fact that. A lot of them are volunteers. Yeah. The people nice. who work for Andrew's construction are just a bunch of good people. Yeah. But that's a very fair point. Yeah. None of them are unionized. Mm-hmm. So Tabitha brings up the fact that Chicago has these, and I forgot that Tabitha was also from Chicago. So not only is Mary and Tabitha from Chicago, but so is Twyla Twist. And I'm like, everybody's from Chicago. You guys have to know each other. Well, they can't all be from New York. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. So they want to make 30 houses to start. Um, and it would cost 20 to $25,000 for each house. And I was like, yikes. At first right. I was like, what, how? Just for the lumber? And then I was like, wait, no, they each have to have mattresses. They have to have showers and toilets. So I guess yeah. that makes sense. Plumbing is yeah. probably the most expensive. Plumbing and electrical. Yeah. So they're like, if we want to pay for this, we'd have to raise taxes. And of course, Jughead's listening to the thoughts. Nobody's into that. And uh, Percival's like, well, my thing would be free. So... Who's paying for the buses, Percival? He says he did. And that he, at the end, he says he also gave each of them $100. So if you had the ability to do that, why didn't you just give them money to get themselves off their feet? Anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. On their feet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, off their feet. They should get to Let sit. them hang out. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, well, we think that your idea is really good, Archie. We just need to find a way to fund it. And no one brings up a fundraiser. And also we need proof of concept. And Archie's like, okay. This is just proof that I need to be in Riverdale and solve all their problems. Exactly. Thank you. So Percival meets with Archie after the meeting to talk about Percy's background. Uh, and also that they'll just never agree. Sure. So Percy's like, oh, I want to get to know my neighbors. And Archie's like, yeah, I bet you do. Yeah, I bet you do. So Archie's like, so are you English? And because the general Pickens was from Riverdale. Are you English, though? Uh, do you are fancy you English, Billy Piper, though? sir? Do you fancy Billy Piper, sir? So Is he... you English, though? <laughs> so he says that some of his family went to the States and some of them stayed in England. So I looked it up and the actor is English. He sounds proper yeah. English. So his accent is real. Yeah. His accent, I never once even questioned. I was yeah. just like, oh yeah, that's an English guy. He says that he hasn't been in England in a while though, because he's been traveling a lot. And he, this is the place that I've been to that has the most potential. Bro, I'm telling you, he's either immortal or someone else like resurrected him. Right. And that it could be the next Marsh's Vineyard. Incredible. That's weird. All, we both want a better Riverdale. And Archie's like, so you should join me in my house idea. Okay. And he's like, mm, no, the Sketch Alley people don't want help. They just want handouts and they're just going to bring your property values down. Uh, and also no one wants them here. People just want them to leave. He's literally such a dick. And so like I've been saying, Archie says, no, the people of Riverdale are good people and they don't want this. Yes. However, not according to their thoughts, which is why I think that Percy, even when he doesn't go to people one-on-one, -on -one, is working his magic no matter what. But it's not working on the people who have powers yeah maybe because it's not working on archie or jughead and he didn't really try to talk to veronica or reggie even though they don't have powers i didn't think about that it's just very clearly not working on archie and jughead that's what i'm interested in you yeah know? and then later he's like writing down things about jughead so <laughs> yeah it's kind of weird so archie goes to tabitha and tony and asks if they would each sponsor a tiny home um they'd set them up in the parking lot to show riverdale what they would look like and they'd paint them as billboards for the restaurant so it's kind of like advertisement and tony and tabitha are in fantastic idea from archie can you imagine like living in a house that's branded no this is the best because if you, it's just a neighborhood of little branded houses you'd be like so what what's your house number and you'd be like no mine is just the pops one. Oh yeah i'm the white worm one yeah <laughs> I'm just in there. Got it. Take a left at the Al's Pancake World. Uh, got it. And then take a right. Pearls and Posh. At Pearls and Posh. Mm -hmm. And then take another left at Mr. Cluck's Chicken Shack. Mm -hmm. And then I'm the Pops one. Got it. That's my house. I love that the two biggest business owners in Riverdale are two women of color. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. I love that. And Tony's like, well, do you care that I'm a gang member? And Archie's like, no. Archie's like, since when has that been an issue? Archie's like, I've also been a gang member in my past. I actually started a gang. It yeah. sucked. It was bad. It was called the Red Circle and it was really embarrassing. Yeah, people people thought it sucked. I got I didn't get good feedback about that. No. So Andrew's Construction and Jughead go to, and Jughead and, uh, I don't know, everyone else, uh, go to Sketch Alley. Jughead meets with his friend Doc and tells him their plan. And the unhoused people of Sketch Alley are happy to help build their own homes. It's really I think that's cool. awesome. Yeah, 
It's a really cool moment. And so Doc mentions about how much better Jughead looks since the last time he saw him. And Jughead says that we want to build a house for each of you. And you can help if you want to, but you don't have to. And I just wanted to say that the guy who plays Doc is so good. Yeah. And it makes me so sad that he gets screwed over. I think it was a very, very good casting choice because he makes you love him. He's a very good actor. He's really good. And of course, all of them want to help because building your own house? Everyone wants to say that. that. That's so cool. cool. So Andrew's Construction builds the houses and Doc comes up to Kevin and just like starts attacking him with a hammer? I guess. Getting hit by a hammer? I'm surprised he lived. It was, it was weird. It also, uh, yeah, I didn't like it. I feel like he would have died. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I don't want Doc to have been a murderer. Yeah. And I think that Casey Cott does a great job and I want him to have a job. But I would mainly be sad for Tom Keller if Kevin died. Yeah, like, the thing about Casey Cott on this show is that I think that maybe he deserves better because I don't understand what he's still there for. Yeah. Does that make sense? In a similar way to Alice and sometimes Cheryl, he just gets thrown in the mud all the time. Like his character is just sacrificed constantly for random storylines. Exactly. So everyone's wearing their safety helmet except Frank. Doesn't matter, but like nothing happens about it. But Frank, put on your helmet. Thank you. He, he's too, he's too beautiful for that. Doc clearly seems brainwashed and just like stares at Kevin and Kevin's like, can I help you? Or are we good here? Like, uh, what's good? So at Pops, our heroes watch Alice on the news, talk about how the people of Sketch Alley are dangerous and need to get out just like Percival has been saying. And Tony and Tabitha say that they are still in on putting some houses outside of Pops. Yeah. Yeah. So Alice is basically saying, hey, you know, when you want to help people and then the people who you're trying to help attack you, clearly these people don't want our help. Sucks. Okay. It's conservative 101. Yeah. So Archie says that he was just at the hospital visiting Kevin and Tony is worried that if they have a white worm one, like they can't have the houses have our businesses on them and be associated with violence, especially since she's a gang member, you know, and that's part of the things that was being brought up. So, so she's maybe we can't do it. Like she's like, I'll still pay for, pay for one, but maybe we won't put the business on it. And then she name drops Chime because Chime pays for that, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, is Chime real? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they've mentioned it before and we looked it up and Chime is real. Okay, right, 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 okay. Um, And there's another, there's another brand name drop that they do in a couple scenes as well. Oh, okay. Uh, And Tabitha's still into it. She's still into the paint job. She's still into everything, which is awesome. I love it. So Percival goes to see Kevin and Tom in the hospital and now he has the police force behind him. Great. (sighs) First of all, poor Tom. I, I mean, I feel bad for Kevin, too, but I'm also like, poor Tom, his poor son, and he's sad about his son, and I love Tom. And he's like, I hope it never happens again, Percival's like, well, if we, if you work with me, it won't happen. Exactly. Or, yeah. Archie unveils the Pops home, and everyone there loves it. Everyone yeah, there. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> um, Tabitha loves it, and Archie says, thank you so much to Benjamin Moore for donating the paint. Do they actually say that? Yeah, he says Benjamin Moore donated the paint and also for any more houses that we make. Thank you so much to Benjamin Moore. And I fully missed that the first time I watched. I also missed that the first time. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah. That's, um, that's big stupid. I honestly feel like them saying Chime and saying Benjamin Moore is like more tacky than Archie just eating Doritos. Because the Doritos thing is funny. Well, yeah, the Doritos thing has an element of comedy. I just feel so bad for these actors. The worst one was when Tony was just like, I got these baby clothes from Old Navy. Yeah, that was... (laughs) That one was bad. That was by far the biggest offense. Yeah. So Archie gets a call from Tabitha telling him to come to Pops because the houses have been vandalized. 
Which I called. Yes, you did. As soon as we saw them, I was like, those houses are about to get vandalized so hard. Y'all, she quite quite literally did. Yeah. So Archie's feeding Bingo when he gets the call. Thank you so much for showing me the dog a couple episodes ago. I complained that you are telling me there's a dog and you're not showing me the dog. Thank you for showing me the dog. dog. Archie gets there and is so mad that he punches his truck. And I'm like, dude, your truck? Punch something that doesn't matter so that you don't have to pay for it to get fit. Because wasn't that Fred's truck? I think it might have been. I think it was. So Jughead goes to Doc in jail and Doc says that he would never do that to Kevin and he has no memory of it, but someone put the idea in his head. So this is when we're finally getting the actual... I'm glad that like Doc actually wasn't responsible and and that people know it. This is when we're finally getting like confirmation that something like magical and spooky is happening. And that people actually believe him, which is really nice. Yeah. Or at least Jughead does. I mean, it's all you really need though. Yeah. So yeah, he's like, please believe me, Jug. Someone put the idea in his head. He reads his mind so he knows that it's true. And also he says that he had a British accent. And this is what's important is that Jughead has started not being able to differentiate to differentiate between people speaking and people thinking. And that's part of his downfall for people to start figuring it out. Yeah. Because like, you know, later when he's not looking at Archie, he can't tell if he said that out loud or not. Right. And so then he like turns around and answers a thought that he had. And that's how Archie figures it out. And like, luckily it was Archie. Yeah. But... That could have been very, very bad for him. Yeah. So Jughead speaks with Pickens and tells him that he'd like to write a rebuttal for the paper. Pickens starts speaking inside his head to Jughead. And so Jughead freaks out that Pickens now knows about his power. Pickens literally says to Jughead, get out out of my brain. And I'm like, that was actually really cool. Yeah. So Jughead does the quote, the true measure of any society can be found in how it treats its most vulnerable members. And it's really interesting that like, it doesn't really seem like we're, us as a society are really like going with that quote, you know? Uh, yeah, as a society, we're failing. Yeah. And Pickens is like, well, who cares? Because uh, they didn't live in Riverdale and Riverdale is different. And Jughead's like, well, it was um, Gandhi who said that. We laughed, we laughed. We we genuinely laughed. That was a hysterical moment. it was great. So he's like, do you really think that your idea is best? Like, and Percival is like, of course, like, I'm coming at this with compassion for the citizens of Riverdale. Yeah. Once again, the Sketch Alley people are citizens of Riverdale. Yes, they are. But he doesn't see them like that. He's like, I've seen alleys like this before, and you're doing a disservice to them by helping them. I don't really see how that could possibly be true. Like, what projection are, are you, like... What issues do you have? Yeah. You know, like, what happened to you? Like, he's like, because they're not working for themselves and everything. And I'm like, I I feel like a better example of, like, people who you give stuff to who don't appreciate it because they're not working for themselves is, like, Paris Hilton? Yeah, I was gonna say, um, rich people? Yeah, who who, who are just given things by their rich father? Her Veronica? Yeah, um, nepotism babies? Yeah, but... Okay. As someone who came from an upper middle class family, you are completely correct. Yeah. <laughs> So then he can tell that he's inside his mind. So he speaks to the way that he speaks to Jughead when we see him doing that is he uh it isn't echoey like all of the other thoughts. It's that a Jughead direct gets. like Yeah. It's cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. And so he's like, get out of my head, and then Jughead starts freaking out, so he knows officially that he totally heard that thought, and he's like acting like nothing happened. So Archie comes back to Pops to find everyone repainting the houses and including Tony painting hers, even though she said she didn't want to before. And they're going to keep repainting them if they have to, which is really beautiful. You know what? May I just say something? Uh 
Tony, why are you concerned about the reputation of uh, your bar? Yeah. It's a biker bar that you run a gang out of. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I like that Archie p- parked the other way so that we didn't see, like, the side of the messed up truck. Like, they were like, <laughs> yeah, we yeah. don't want to have to deal with that. So he parked the other way this time. I didn't pay attention to that. Um, but Archie said he came to, like, take the house away because clearly, like, it didn't work and nothing good mm-hmm. was happening about it. And they're like, no, no, we're doubling down. Even if it gets vandalized again, we're just going to keep doing it. And Jughead goes to Archie and says that he wants to talk to him because he doesn't think that Doc attacked Kevin. And it's like, okay, he did, but it wasn't his fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, it wasn't quote unquote Doc. Yeah, that's true. Right, right, right. So Pickens shows up and says that it doesn't matter because all the people of Sketch Alley are gone. He persuaded them to just pack up and leave. Hey, do you believe that? I mean, yeah, I do. No, do you? They just, they just magically left. Oh. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? I know. No one expected that. I don't know how I got that to happen, but I talked to them and they said, okay. They were like, you know what? We understand. As citizens of Riverdale, we understand that you find us to be a burden. I'll just go be a citizen of somewhere else. Thank you. Yeah. And so they go and they find it. Uh, empty. But he's like, oh yeah, it's the power of persuasion. He says he bought them bus tickets and gave them each a hundred dollars. And he was like, okay, bye! And then they go, and it is. It's all gone. Yeah, they're all gone. Except it's night now. <laughs> Even though it didn't seem, it seemed like mid-afternoon it took them all the way in, like, for several hours to get there. Apparently. So at the next, you guessed it, town meeting! Everyone applauds Pickens for saving Riverdale! Yay! You gentrified it! And he's also joining the police force, so that's just great. Imagine how tired we are. Yeah, so everyone's applauding for Pickens, including Alice, uh, but no one else on the council. Yeah, I I do appreciate that, like, everyone else thinks he's full of sh**. Yeah. And so he's like, thanks everyone, and thanks to Keller for helping me. He represents the very best of Riverdale. I love Tom Keller just as much as the next person, but we don't need to say that the police are the best of anything. Exactly. Okay. So Percival is going to be a deputy along with Kevin, who's still in the hospital. Um, what are his qualifications? Yeah, but what are Kevin's? Yeah, Kevin's not qualified for that job either. Yeah. So Archie thinks that he's like a supervillain, and I'm like, you know what, Archie? I think you're and right. And you're a superhero. So you can take him. (laughs) And then Jughead answers because he wasn't looking at Archie and couldn't tell if he was speaking out loud or not. And so then Archie obviously gets suspicious about that. Archie's like, um, I didn't say that out loud, Betsy. What else can you hear? Yeah. That night, Betty comes home to Archie and she needs all the lights out because her headaches are triggered by light. And, um, Archie tells her that he thinks that Jughead can read minds. It's actually extremely funny. And at first I was like, like, oh, that's so crazy. And then I was like, wait, Betty also has a magic power. She probably is like, yeah, okay. Yeah. She's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Dave in our Discord server. Yes. He said, uh, literally dark Betty. Oh my God. (laughs) Dave. I thought that was funny. Da- jail for that joke. So we see Archie and he is watching like an old movie. Mm-hmm. I can't tell what movie. I don't know what movie it was, but it was in black and white. And Wish I was that cool. So Betty shows up and like creepily turns off all the lights. Hey, how are you driving? Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. I don't think it's safe to wear sunglasses while driving at night. I wear my sunglasses <laughs> at night. And so she's like, oh, my head hurts. She also says that she lost TBK in Maine. So who knows, who knows when that guy's going to come back, but he will. Hey, but for the people of Maine... Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, Betty doesn't give a crap about the people in Maine. So she's like, oh, it's a side effect from my power. And for a second, I gotta be honest, I thought that they were making Betty blind. (sighs) They would. I was like, oh, please, one thing at a time. Yeah. I I don't want to see you potentially mess up more representation. You know, I I just don't need to see that. So she said, feels good to be home. So I guess she lives here now. I don't know if she's talking about Riverdale, if she's talking about that actual house. And by the way... 
Just saying. Veronica couldn't live here. Uh, why? Well, she said that she, well, she tried living here at the Andrews residence and she couldn't do it. Oh, right. <laughs> so I just wanted to say that. Well, by the way, so Jughead can read minds and it looks like Pickens can control minds. And Betty's like, okay. He wasn't even in the explosion though, so we need to like figure out what the deal with that is. Yeah, Betty took that information like a champ, to be yeah. honest. So this is the last scene of the episode. Mm-hmm. Pickens seems to have like a conspiracy board of Riverdale people and starts writing down what powers they have. It's super weird. Like, Pickens is just like, yeah. Like, I guess he has a power himself, so he's just like, makes sense that- All these other people have powers. Yeah. Like, I wonder if- I know that we are saying that a lot of it is because of the explosion and stuff, but I'm like, I wonder if Percival showing up and he has powers, he shows up somewhere and then other people's powers just sort of like sprouting out. Like, I wonder if him being there is what like, caused it on. the powers to start showing up. I think that's as valid a theory as know. any at this yeah. point. Where's this office? Yeah, that was my point. I was like, where is this? I don't know. Like, does he own property? I, he wanted to own the Andrews yeah. house, but I don't know. He writes down Jughead Jones Mind Reader. Incredible sentence to write down. Jughead Jones Mind Reader. Incredible. Hey, and, and we voluntarily watched this show. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah. I have a great time. So his board has like newspaper clippings and pictures of people, some of which are clearly headshots, which makes me really laugh. But the people, but the people he has pictures of are Pop, Tom Keller, uh, Frank, Archie, Betty, Cheryl, Kevin, Tony, Fangs, Veronica, Reggie, Jughead, and Tabitha. Are you telling me that he has pictures of the entire main cast? So that's everybody. And yeah, Alice. (laughs) No, he didn't have a picture of Alice. Because uh, he already has her, I guess. I mean, I guess he has the Kellers too now, but... Yeah. yeah, my last question is just, what is the motive here? What is he even, like, doing? Wish I could tell you, bestie. I'm like, are we... Is it just money? He wants to take over Riverdale just like Hiram did and, what, make a new Sodale? Like, I don't understand what he's doing and why. Um, my guess is that the writers also don't know. Yeah. So we'll see. I genuinely I guess, have no idea. I guess they just needed a new big bad. If you guys have any ideas on what Percy's like motive is and like what his goals are, please send us your thoughts. You can DM us on Twitter or anywhere. Um, and our email is afficionadospodcast uh, at gmail.com. Honestly, would love to hear your theories because I am so confused. I was honestly, Robin, the way I was earnestly like, okay, what's the most stupid reason I could think of? And I went cult. And then I was like, oh, right. We already did that. We already did that. Yeah. All right, you guys, here is my new theory. Why would Percival want to buy the Andrews house in particular? So here's my thought. He comes to Riverdale because he obviously has these powers and maybe being close to, I don't know, this anomaly in which other people have gotten these powers uh, makes his power more powerful. So that's why he's in Riverdale and he wanted the Andrews house in particular um, so that he could be right close to where the anomaly happened and then his power would be like the most powerful. So that's my current theory is that um, he's just trying to get as much power as possible and be the most powerful. That's what I got. But I'm really interested to hear what you guys think. Um, so now we're going to go into segments. Uh, my first segment is which character needs a hug the most. Um, I'm going to give it to... Can I give it to Cheryl? If I were you, I would give it to um, Doc. Oh, I'll definitely give it to Doc, but I think I also want to give one to Cheryl inside of her own mind. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. And my segment is which MILF was the most badass? Uh, not you, Alice. Yeah. Uh, and not Penelope. Not Penelope. Um, I guess Tony. I guess Tony. Yeah. Sam, what are you shipping the most? Begrudgingly, Alice and Frank. Okay. Because... I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's honestly, a, that's probably the best answer for today, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, my next segment is, is Chick dead or what? I don't know. Is Hiram dead? Still not sure. But you know what? We'll freaking see. Who knows? Yeah. And now it's time for our best line award. Uh, my best line award goes to Jughead for... Don't punch me. And not to Archie for the next line, which is I probably should, because I disagree. You should I, never punch people. I also Thank disagree. You. And my best line award does go to Archie for... But I do have solutions. If you're open to hearing them. Buddy, I'm open to resolving this outside. You and me right now. Okay, Archie. Incredible That's line read. That's man. We loved it. We were like, buddy, 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 it was, I'm open. It was a bit Canadian. Yeah, And I think good. that's why I liked it. I loved it. There's nothing a Canadian loves more than using bud buddy. in a derogatory way. Uh, and now for what happened in the trailer. So this is the little blurb that came with the trailer. It goes, Percival makes his move. After suspecting that Percival is about to make a big play, Archie, Betty, and Jug had warned their friends about his potential threat to the town. Meanwhile, Tony also finds herself a target after Percival announces his plans to rid the town of gangs, including the serpents. Finally, Cheryl makes her move against Archie, Betty, and Jughead. Is it Cheryl or is it Abigail? It's definitely Abigail. It's, it's Abigail. So this is what I grabbed from the trailer. Jughead says they should beat up Pickens. He's like... <laughs> Archie, well, if I tell you who wrote the article, you're just going to beat him up. And now he's just like, let's beat up the guy who wrote the article. Uh, I'm not going to say that he's wrong yeah. for that. We see a shot of Pickens at another town hall meeting. Jughead and Archie talking in the office of El Royale, it looks like. Is anything else happening at the El Royale anymore? Like, are there any... Is like, is it still a community center? It feels like no. What happened to the, all the youth programs? I know. Maybe it's still happening and we're just not seeing or hearing about it. Whatever. Maybe. We see Kevin breaking down a door because he's police now. Uh, Veronica closing a folder. Mark. Betty thinks that someone is trying to poison her. And in this scene seems fine with all the light that's in the room. It's weird. Uh, it's likely Cheryl slash Abigail because she brings in cookies or scones or something in the next Oh, thing. right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it looks like she's in the garage. So Betty is once again at the school, which is nice to see that she's still a teacher. Yeah, she still does her job from time to time, you mean? We see Pops getting shot at, potentially. Uh, Tabitha in distress. Kevin telling Tony that he's filing for primary custody, probably because he's a cop and they're in a gang so he can get primary custody. But I'm like, are you even related to baby Anthony? I was like, you're an asshole, dude. What do you even? Ugh, Kevin. I'm guessing he probably had a DNA test done. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe. But I'm just like, I don't know. For some reason, my headcanon was that Tony and Fangs just had sex. And that's how baby Anthony was born. I would like that. That's what I thought. I mean, fair enough. To be perfectly honest. And then it's a raid of the serpents somewhere. Uh, Betty chloroforming Cheryl slash Abigail. Fangs pushing Kevin up against a wall. And I certainly don't blame him for that. Yeah. Archie says, we're the good guys. And Cheryl says, spoken like a true villain. Okay, it's Archie. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling that those conversations were completely separate. That's possible, actually. Maybe. That's possible. Just that's because fair. like, yeah. like, that's fair what she's saying, but it's Archie. In what world is Archie the villain other than in Rivervale? That's a fair point. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you so much to Sam for hanging out in the background That's while we recorded. That's my little wifey. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We would really appreciate that. If you're a fan of The 100, we talk about that show too. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, so sorry about that. Uh, yeah, you owe me money. <laughs> we covered seasons four to seven as they were airing, and now we're going back to do the good old days, starting with season three and ending with season one. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'll actually talk about that show too. It's actually a super cute show. Uh, if you haven't watched it, what are you doing? Oh my gosh, it's really good. Come on, get it. It's worth it. the hype. Like, I know you're like, ugh, everybody talked about it. No, it's Just because it. it was good. <laughs> we have covered seasons one to three, and we'll be covering season four when it drops next Soon. month, which Literally Robin just pointed out. <laughs> I'm so excited. 
Uh, if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. Um, we are almost done season three. It is our longest, most big brain podcast. Spoilers at the end. So if you want to listen along with us as you're watching, you can, and I would be honored. And we also have guests over there. So that podcast is my baby. And if you checked it out, it would mean the world to me. Thank you so much. That podcast is like one of the our motivations for starting the Aficionados, yeah. which is really cute. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter and Robin Makes Gifts of our favorite Lion Awards on Tumblr. And she works really hard on them. So That's follow. true. Thank you. Uh, our Patreon, like I said earlier, is patreon.com slash the Aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because uh, it's expensive. It is free for you to listen to, but it's not free to make. And so um, anything that you can help. help us with is great. And yes. we would really appreciate it. Uh, if you can't help us on Patreon, check out those places that I told you in the mid-roll to check Ooh, out. And you, you can also check them out in the description. And uh, if not, just recommend us to a friend. And uh, hey, if you just great. if you just heard scratching, it was um, Robin's dog uh, trying to get on the couch to get in my lap. Yeah. And I love him. I love him. I love him. That's my special guy. Yeah. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. If you want to follow my dog on Instagram, you can follow him at The Daily Pickle. That's the and then D-A-L-E-Y and then the word pickle. Um, You really should. Um, no. This dog is just so freaking cute. I post little cute pictures of him. So enjoy. I love him. Sometimes he kisses inside my mouth and I'm like, ugh. But then I'm like, yeah, but you're so cute. It's fine, <laughs> I guess. The next episode is episode 609. It's called The Serpent Queen's Gambit. I'm sorry. You could have just called it The Queen's Gambit and I would have gotten it. Yeah. You know? Uh, so The Queen's Gambit is a 2020 American coming of age period drama miniseries based on the 1983 novel of the same name by Walter Tevis. The title refers to The Queen's Gambit a chess opening beginning in the mid 1950s and proceeding into the 1960s the story follows the life of beth Harmon, a fictional chess prodigy on her rise to the top of the chess world while struggling with drug and alcohol dependency that was on you taylor joy yes right correct my sister really liked that show i didn't uh i haven't seen it so maybe i'll maybe i'll get around to it i didn't watch it but i'm kind of interested because i think her face is fascinating yeah that's true and i think she's very talented she's so talented Yeah. yeah okay love you bye love you bye